SBS, a world of difference. You're with NITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV Radio broadcasts from, the Camaragal people and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from fresh water to salt water. I'm your host, Luana Grant, and welcome to NITV Radio for this Wednesday, the 27th of September. Coming up on the show today, the 51st Koori Knockout is just days away, with hundreds of people expected to make their way to the Central Coast for a massive weekend of rugby league football. I had a chat to Carol Witters, one of the event organisers, to chat about how the planning for the 2023 Koori Knockout is going ahead of this weekend. Also coming up on today's show, NITV Radio chats to Megan Crocker, the winner of the 2023 Australian Mental Health Prize. And I catch up with NRL legend and host of NITV's Over the Black Dot, Dean Witters, who will once again be commentating for NITV at the Korea Knockout this year. All these stories and more coming to you after the latest news. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy erected outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. In this bulletin, some of the country's most remote residents begin casting their votes in the Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum. No campaigner Warren Mundine accuses Albanese's government of wanting to put racial segregation back into the Constitution. And Victorian Deputy Premier Jacinta Allen tipped to replace Daniel Andrews. Some of the country's most remote residents have begun casting their votes in the Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum. People on Bathurst Island, part of the Northern Territory's Tiwi Islands, have been among the first in the nation to vote either yes or no. A total of 193 remote communities in the Territory are expected to vote in the referendum. Australian Electoral Commissioner Tom Rogers says this is a landmark achievement for Australia. A record 97.7% of eligible Australians are enrolled to vote in the referendum. Leading no campaigner Warren Mundine has accused the Albanese government of wanting to put racial segregation back into the constitution. Speaking at the National Press Club in Canberra yesterday, Mr Mundine urged Australians to vote no in the upcoming Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum, saying the Uluru Statement from the Heart is a symbolic declaration of war. He says Australians will have a choice when they vote on October the 14th a choice of what kind of nation we want to be. Do we want Australia to be a liberal democracy where all people are equal, where all Australians can reconcile and moving ahead united as a country? Or do we want to be a country where people are divided by race, permanently in conflict with each other 
over facts of history that cannot be altered. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese says he hopes Australians will vote yes in the upcoming Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum. Mr Albanese says that there are many areas where people will benefit from listening to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. You might have noticed there's a bit of a referendum going on at the moment about listening. And one of the areas where we can certainly listen to our first Australians is the tens of thousands of years of history about land management, about dealing uh, with uh, care for country, and there is much to be learnt uh, from First Australians. Victorian Deputy Premier Jacinta Allen is tipped to be the most likely contender to replace Daniel Andrews following his resignation as Premier. Ms Allen is so far the only candidate to come forward before a meeting of Labor's caucus today at noon. Political analyst Paul Strangio from Monash University says Daniel Andrews leaves office as a titan of Victorian politics. He says while the Andrews government has had its share of controversies, including the cancellation of the 2026 Commonwealth Games, Daniel Andrews will be remembered as a progressive premier whose social reforms and massive infrastructure programs transformed Victoria. So I think in those two areas, infrastructure and social reform will be his major legacies. Some would argue there's a darker side to his legacy and that is a democratic deficit in things like the tight centralisation of power in Victoria and the politicisation of the public service. Mounting criticism over Qantas and the government's move to block extra Qatar Airways flights into Australia will come to a head during the final day of Spotlight on the decision. A parliamentary committee is continuing to scrutinise the role Qantas played in the Transport Minister's decision to knock back Qatar's request to double weekly flights into Australia. Ex-Qantas boss Alan Joyce will be summoned to give evidence after knocking back a request to appear before the committee. Mr Joyce could not appear in person or via video link because of personal obligations while overseas. His legal representatives have told the committee. But the committee will use its power to summon the former boss when he lands back into Australia after receiving no indication that Mr Joyce will be available before the 9th of October reporting deadline. UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres says the only way to prevent the use of nuclear weapons is to eliminate them. Addressing the annual event to mark the International Day for the Total Elimination of Nuclear Weapons, Mr Guterres spoke of how catastrophic the use of a nuclear weapon would be for humanity. The real only way to prevent the use of nuclear weapons is to eliminate them. Any use of nuclear weapon, any time, anywhere and in any context would unleash a humanitarian catastrophe of epic proportions. And this is not hyperbole. This is the timeless message of the Ibakusha, the survivors of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The International Day for the Total Elimination of Nuclear Weapons has been observed annually since 2014. Joe Biden is believed to be the first sitting United States president to join a union picket line. He's met with the striking workers from the United Auto Workers Union at a picket line in Detroit. The union is targeting the major U.S. car makers, demanding a 40% pay increase for their members. 
President Biden told the workers they made a lot of sacrifices during the global financial crisis in 2008 and deserved a significant pay increase. You guys, UAW, you saved the automobile industry back in 2008 and before. Made a lot of sacrifices, gave up a lot, and the companies were in trouble. But now they're doing incredibly well. And guess what? You should be doing incredibly well too. President Biden's appearance comes a day before Donald Trump goes to Detroit to hold his own event to try to woo car industry workers. Women in New South Wales will soon have easier access to the oral contraceptive pill as the government expands a statewide clinical trial to ease pressure on GPs. Under the changes, women will be able to obtain a prescription for resupply of the pill from their pharmacist without having to see a doctor, except if it is for the first time they have taken the medication. The pilot phase of the community pharmacy prescribing trial to treat basic health complaints at local pharmacies launched in May. In July, it was expanded to include treatment for women suffering urinary tract infections. The state's chief health officer, Dr Kerry Chant, says the scheme has been particularly popular in regional areas, which often had fewer GPs available. The International Energy Agency says the use of fossil fuels needs to decline by 25% between now and 2030, if the world is to see global warming limited to 1.5 degrees. The agency says record growth in clean energy technology, including solar panels and electric vehicles, means it is still possible to limit warming. But Executive Director Faith Briol says reducing fossil fuel use significantly will be essential. If we want to reduce emissions from fossil fuels, we have to reduce the use of fossil fuels. So simple. And our numbers show that if we want to reach the 1.5 degrees target, fossil fuels, the air use, need to decline close to 25% between now and 2030. And in sport, the hits have kept coming for the Wallabies at the Rugby World Cup in France, with the team sinking to an all-time low in the world rankings at 10. Following their record 46 loss to Wales, which all but ended their hopes of reaching the quarterfinals for the first time in history, the Australians have dropped one place on the rankings. Eddie Jones's men have traded places with the new number nine ranked Argentina, who are coached by ex-Wallabies boss Michael Chica. With Argentina picking up 1.72 points for their scrappy 19-10 win over Samoa and Australia losing 2.5 points in their heavy defeat, the teams have swapped rankings with Wallabies in 10th for the first time since the rankings were introduced. And now for a look at today's weather. Perth, sunny 34. Adelaide, cloud clearing 20. Melbourne, partly cloudy 17. Hobart, partly cloudy 18. Albury Wodonga also partly cloudy 23. Canberra, partly cloudy 22. Wollongong, a shower or two 22. Sydney, a possible shower 23. Newcastle, partly cloudy 25. Brisbane, sunny 31. Townsville, sunny 29. Cairns, partly cloudy 28. Alice Springs, mostly sunny, 34. Darwin, sunny, 35. And the Torres Strait Islands, windy, partly cloudy, 31. And that is NITV Radio News.
CITV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online. Fancy yourself a journo? Here at SBS and NITV, we're looking for mob to apply for the Indigenous Journalism Cadetship Program. What's a cadetship? The cadetship is a 12-month paid position including training and practical reporting to help kickstart your career in journalism. You'll be paired with a mentor and work across NITV, SBS News, Dateline and Inside on TV, radio and online platforms. Once here, you can pitch, produce and tell stories that affect and matter to our communities. We want applicants from all across Australia to apply for the job which is based in Sydney on Camaragal country. Plus, you'll have placements in Melbourne and Canberra. How deadly. This position is for people who identify as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, and applications are closing soon. So don't delay and apply now. Welcome back. I'm your host, Luana Grant, and you're listening to NITV Radio. Still to come on the show, I catch up with Carol Witters, one of the NAB event organisers for the Koori Knockout, to chat about how the planning is going ahead of this weekend. And I also catch up with NRL legend and host of NITV's Over the Black Dot, Dean Witters, who will once again be commentating for NITV at the Koori Knockout this year. But first, Noongar woman Megan Cracker has been announced the winner of the 2023 Australian Mental Health Prize unveiled at the University of New South Wales. Celebrating exceptional individuals who have made significant strides in the realm of mental health advocacy. NITV Radio's Bertrand Tungandami has more. I'm joined by Megan Cracker. Winner of a 2023 Australian Mental Health Prize, recognising and celebrating outstanding Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander mental health leadership at a national or community level. First of all, Megan Krakwa, congratulations and welcome to NITV Radio. Thanks Bertrand, really happy to be here. Prior to winning uh, this accolade, you are already known as a First Nations rights beacon, having pioneered so many programs that have really made an impact. But I'd like to begin our conversation looking back at your work, especially in addressing the devastating uh, suicide rates among First Nations youth. Firstly, I'll just mention this. Everyone that works in this space, they're a winner. It's a really difficult area to work, work in, particularly when you're dealing with life and death and you're trying to help people and work through the intent for like, social supports, which is needed to some of our most marginalised, vulnerable and, and silenced people. So in terms of this type of work, I've been doing it for a long time, um, very much half a decade working with the most marginalised, vulnerable and voiceless, working with issues around deaths in custody, trial removals, incarceration, suicidality, homelessness and the likes. Myself and my colleague Jerry Georgiatis, we've worked with about 27,000 people right across the country in the last four years. Um, a lot of things that we've done in terms of law reform, um, challenging systems which hurt people, which oppress people, and that is not good. So we always fight for equity. Um, that is really quite important because, you know, we all deserve to live our best lives. And too often, I see too many people living in third world akin conditions in the lucky country of Australia, which is the 12th richest economy in the world, living in poverty, dealing with one issue after the next, not having any way forward, not having any hope whatsoever. So the approach that we use is the intense psychosocial support, the assertive outreach, which is 24-7. At the end of the day, people need people, and that's what we're here to do, 
just very much elevate the issues of the deficit truth to ensure that it's on the national agenda. It has to be said that uh, you are well known for your holistic approach to mental health, not only providing uh, psychological counselling, but also addressing issues like uh, financial hardship. And you highlight that uh, the socioeconomic disparity as a cause for the shocking high suicide rates and uh, mental health conditions within uh, First Nations communities. Oh, it's a reality. Right across, the, I am the director with the National Suicide Prevention and Trauma Recovery Project. It's a voluntary effort. Right across the country, 40% of First Nations people fall below the poverty line. In Western Australia, it's 60%. In the Northern Territory, it's 75 to 80%. So a lot of our people fall below the poverty line. So if you can think of the poverty line, about $470 a week, a lot of our people get that on a fortnightly basis if they're on Centrelink. So it is very much a poverty narrative. Um, a lot of, in terms of First Nations people in relation to suicides, has gone from 1 in 23 to 1 in 16. That is absolutely horrendous. It is a crisis of our time for, the, for people under the age of 40 years old. It's the leading cause of death. And that very much is consistent with the, the National Closing the Gap Strategy in terms of the Productivity Commission that came out about three months ago. 19 closing the gap targets, of the 19 closing the gap targets, 15 are not reducing, and of the 15, two are widening even further, and that's incarceration and also child removals. Child removals in 1997, it was 2,000 children, black kids in care. That was at the time of the Bringing Them Home report. In uh, 2008, the Prime Minister at the time, Mr. Rudd, gave the appeal of the Southern Generation, 8,000 black kids in care. Today, it is 23,000 black kids in care. So we've gone from one in three to one in two since 1997, and that is unacceptable. That leads a lot of people to have broken hearts and hurt, trying to deal with a system of child removals, the impression they hurt, the surveillance, the constant monitoring the way that it makes people feel in terms of their helplessness and the various barriers that these big institutions, for example, Department of Child Protection and its counterparts across the country, it is a $6 billion corporation, a $6 billion corporation. Only 17% is spent on family supports and that is unacceptable in today's age. Wow, wow, wow. Those are staggering numbers uh, you just gave there and... uh so many systemic issues that need to be addressed. Just going back to something like uh, deaths in custody alone, uh, the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody was about more than 30 years ago and uh, still a lot of the recommendations uh, are yet to be implemented. Well, that's exactly right. It's a state, it's a territory, it's a federal issue. In terms of the Aboriginal, uh, the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody, the 339 recommendations back in 1991. We've seen over 530 dear souls rest in peace pass away in custody. And it's the same story in many situations. People pass away, sadly. And then families go to coronial inquests. There's protests. But there doesn't seem to be any collective response in terms of addressing this, in terms of implementing all the recommendations from the Royal Commission. One of the recommendations, for example, is to remove all ligature points from the prisons. That still is not the case. I used to work with the prisons and I've seen where um, ligature points still are. 
I've seen where a young boy who's 19 years old who passed away in a prison ligature points still remain there. So working with the family, helping the family, supporting the family in every single aspect, showing that love, showing that kindness, being there to help with Centrelink, counselling, just going to the person's house on a weekend, hey, how are you going? Telephone calls, then being able to make contact with me on Facebook. I keep it real and basically to rep- you know, very much re- reflect the deficit discourse, but also how our family need that support. Right across the country, we've got over, you know, a couple of hundred Aboriginal medical services and, and they they do a fine job, but they take care of the masses, that's reality. But a lot of the services, they close at five o'clock. Our community needs something more responsive and that needs to be 24-7, going out to the homes, helping de-escalate situations. We've had situations over in Western Australia where a young lady had come out of prison she had challenges in terms of her mental health. She is no longer here today. She was shot by the police. So in terms of being there for people, coming out of prison, people who have had children removed, people that are living on the streets, living homeless, it is an absolute dire circumstance and situation that is very much hurting our people today. So this is a lot of the work that we do. We're very friendly, we're very kind, we work through people's issues in such a way where it's where it's kind, it's loving, it's it's supportive, it's really about providing that practical assistance, a radical empathy, the radical transformation that is really important, particularly when you're trying to save lives, improve life circumstances and set about positive pathways. Right across the country a lot of our people we have that unaddressed trauma. Unaddressed trauma, if it's not validated, it can't be disabled. So notoriously, a lot of our families, we're big families. So for example, I'm one of 13, I'm the youngest in our family. Yeah, we just have so many um, people living in those circumstances right now, brothers and sisters, and at the end of the day, we're all brothers and sisters of the human family. So a lot of the services that are there, they're doing some really beautiful work, but sometimes they just don't have the mandate or the remit to respond adequately to... Um, our people's needs. Yeah. You mentioned that you work at the National Suicide Prevention and Trauma Recovery Project. And uh, this is a project that you actually established with your colleague, uh, Jerry Giorgatos. Is it a 24-hour helpline as well? Look, I'll respond all hours of the night, 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning. I'll take the messages. I'll take the phone calls. Um, but that's voluntary. Wow. That's that's a voluntary service. I've left well, you know, I've left well-paid positions to come into this space because I see the unmet need, and the unmet need it is hurting our people, it is killing our people, it is leaving our people in such dire circumstances that a lot of our brothers and sisters feel like they've got no way forward. We have brothers and sisters coming out of the prison system, many without identification, many without housing, many without that um, that support. We see people go into the prison system and not get not be able to do the programs and and that's really heartbreaking. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Visit sbs.com.au slash NITV Radio. 
Welcome back. I'm your host, Luana Grant, and you're listening to NITV Radio. Still to come on the program, I chat to NRL legend Dean Witters ahead of this weekend's Koori Knockout. But first, the 51st Koori Knockout is just days away, with hundreds of people expected to make their way to the Central Coast to watch their teams compete in one of the largest annual gatherings of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. The event will be held in Tagra on Darkenjung country with 158 men's, women's and juniors teams participating across four days in a massive weekend of rugby league football. I chatted to Carol Witters, one of the Newcastle All Blacks event organisers, to give us the lowdown on everything you need to know to plan your trip to the event this year. The Koori Knockout is just a few days away with hundreds of people expected to make their way to the Central Coast to watch their teams compete in a massive weekend of football. Today, I'm joined by Carol Witters, one of the NAB event organisers of this year's Koori Knockout. Carol, thanks so much for joining me today to have a chat about the planning for the Koori Knockout for people who will be attending over the weekend. Oh, thanks for one. Appreciate that. This year, the Koori Knockout will be held at Tugra Oval on the Central Coast. Can you just talk to us a little bit about the location for people who are going and how many ovals there'll be? All right, so we're at Tugra where we held it in 2019, so the fields are just looking amazing. They're immaculate. They're all been maintained pristine, so they're actually actually very good, very good. We've got seven fields that will be utilising six out of the seven. Um, the main field is number five, so that's just looking amazing. Um, yeah, and we've got, like, we've got, I think it's 158 teams that we've got participating this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got the 64 men, 17 women, and as you know, the girls and the boys, 13s, 15s, and 17s. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Really, really great. And NAB have a great relationship with the council. Can you just talk to us a little bit about the support that they've given you in the planning for this year's knockout? Oh, well, the council's been great. Like Karen Lightfoot, she's just amazing. We um, we had a great relationship from 2019, so we got the blueprint from then. So we're just um, looking forward to making it bigger and better, you know. So um, they've been really great. They give us a lot of in-kind stuff. We work along really well with each other get along really good so yeah everything's going really well and just getting into some of the logistics for the weekend uh will there be parking available at the grounds or do you encourage people to take public transport i'm always encouraging people to take public transport because we've got the, the train station just what's only 50 meters up the road mm-hmm. we've got shuttle buses that are coming from other other stations and that around the place yeah so there's heaps of parking down at the Glen and also down at the dog park so yeah and there's parking that's around the area and stuff like that so yeah awesome and what about the ticketing information how much are tickets and where are they available to purchase um will there be family passes and can you get them beforehand or Um, at the gate they're mainly at the gate i think we can put we're purchasing some online i believe i just can't think off the top of my head because we've got someone else that's handling that Mm -hmm. so i can't really just tell you that information at the moment but they're they're definitely our weekend passes purchase on on i think we can purchase online if you email the club and um at the gate on the day and what about fpos machines i heard that there won't be any um fpos machines at the gate no none at the gate but there's fpos machines inside the gate it's always been cash at the gate since it's started so nothing's changed there was there any sponsors that you wanted to also give a shout out to 
I'd really appreciate that. So our main greatest sponsors for this year are Department of Planning and Environment, Department of Community and Justice, Department of Education, Regional New South Wales, um, Transport of New South Wales, Training and Services New South Wales, the Central Coast, Central Coast. We've had BHP, Orica, HQ Drilling, um, Commonwealth Bank, Central Coast, Wandi Alley, Thoroughall Medical Centre. They're very good. Indigi One. Yakaway, First Nations, Port Waratah, the police has been very good with us, their sponsors this year. So, yeah, they're, they're just to name a few. So we really appreciate their help and support and um, we could not do this without them because, you know, they're a big major thing to help us out. The state, New South Wales State Land Council, we appreciate their help. Dark and Jung Land Council, we're on their country. We could not do it without them and... We really appreciate their help and support and understanding with everything that's been happening and going on and we really hope that they continue their support throughout the knockouts in the future. Yeah, it's a massive, massive event to organise and I'm sure you guys are doing a really great job and all those sponsors that you mentioned, obviously a big shout out to them as well. And can you just talk to us a little bit about some of the stalls that will be at the knockout as well? We've got Department of Aboriginal Affairs there. Forgot to put a plug out for them. Sorry if I've got any of the sponsors. I'm just trying to run them by the seat of my pants. So we've got and NIT's been been a big support, big support to us. We've got the Mullabimba's going to be there. We've got the um, nursing, nursing, mid 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 Rufferty. Um, Burren Jargon's going to be there. Biralee's going to be there. Wyong Community. And the correctional centres are going to be coming along and doing some stuff. Big thanks to the NRL. They're coming along bringing their medical stuff and supporting us again with the referees and etc. First Nations Insurance is coming along this year. They're the insurance for the knockout. Um, we've got TAFE. We've got heaps of stores. We've got about 150 stores and community stores and pop-up stores that are going to be there, much more bigger than 2019. The ground is starting to look amazing. We're putting all the all the marquees and the tents up today, so yeah. Amazing. And um, just a little bit about the elders' tents, what what will be available for elders at the knockout? All right, so we've got our elders' tent as usual. We're just directing that today. We've got our chairs and our lounge chairs. We're going to have morning tea and afternoon tea. They're all on service all day, tea and coffee, fruit for the elders and um as I said, morning tea and afternoon tea, we're going to have a meal there for them between, I think it's between 12 and um, 2 o'clock, that they can come there and sit down and have a nice meal every day, and that's all free of charge with the, for our elders. We've got to take care of our main, the main people in our life, the ones that take took care of us. So we appreciate what they've done for us, so we really like to try to take care of them, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And finally, can you just tell us about the $10,000 kicker goal promotion that will be happening right. at the knockout? Yeah, so I'm not sure what day we're doing it, but we're going to have a, it's a kick for cash. I don't think it's anyone professional that can actually kick for cash. You kick the ball, you get it in. I'm not sure what they're kicking it in, but whoever gets it in gets $10,000 cash. Amazing. Well, I yeah, can't yeah, kick, so I won't bad. be even giving it a go, but I'm well, sure there's lots of people out there. <laughs> yeah, well, it's exciting. It's something different, something new. We're trying to bring something new to the knockout every year to make it bigger and better, you know, to... Mm. Um, and promote it. We've got the TV and the radio stations that are our local area that are promoting it. So, yeah, so we're going really well. So 
I hope to see everyone come along, have a great time. It's a good time for family and friends to come along, meet up with each other. You know, it's a big event that we all look forward to every year. Hope everyone travel, travel safely to and from the knockout. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. Amazing. Well, Carol, thank you so much for coming on NITV Radio for a chat. I know you're super busy. We're only a few days out from the knockout, so you've got so much going on at the moment. So I really appreciate you just having a chat with us and letting everyone know all the important information for the weekend for anyone that's attending. And I'll I'll hopefully see you up there. Oh, I hope to see you there, Dal, and really appreciate that, Luan. Thank you so much, Dal. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. SBS is updating its radio schedule. From October 5, there will be more times to listen. With repeated programming on Wednesday, Friday and Saturday at 6pm on SBS 1. To find out more, visit sbs.com.au slash audio. Welcome back. You're listening to NITV Radio. Dean Witters is an NRL legend, having played for teams such as the Parramatta Eels and South Sydney Rabbitohs, and has also played in a number of Koori knockouts for the Narwhan Eels and also the mighty Redfern All Blacks. Dean is the host of NITV's Rugby League football show over the Black Dot and will once again be part of NITV's commentary team at this year's Korean Knockout as we broadcast live on Sunday and Monday. I caught up with Dean ahead of this weekend's event to chat to him all things Korean Knockout and who he tips will win this year. Today, I'm joined by NRL legend Dean Witters and host of NITV's Over the Black Dot to talk all things Koori Knockout, which will be taking place this weekend on the Central Coast. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, Luana, great to have a chat and uh, looking forward to the Koori Knockout this week. It's going to be massive. Is it your favourite time of year, knockout time? Yeah, you think all things rugby league that's exciting about this time of year with the grand final, the knockout's about you know catching up with mob and seeing the footy that's played there and the competitiveness and the passion of all the um, blackfellas that go up there, um, but also you know the opportunity to to sort of get there and just mix in and relax at the end of a footy season is also good. So yeah, I'm really excited about knockout week all the time, and I can't wait for this one. It's going to be huge. And this year, as I mentioned, the knockout will be taking place in Tugra on the Central Coast and hosted by NAB, the reigning champs who took out the win last year. How's the planning been going in the lead-up? Yeah, well, I know um, Carol and, and Edward and Malcolm up there on the committee of uh, NAB have been working really hard. And Tugra, because they've held it there before at Tugra a couple of years ago, they get the opportunity to go back there and know what works and know, know what didn't work and how things run smoothly so it's a you know it's a, it's a place where they're really comfortable in running it it's a great facility it has up to six seven fields there's heaps of space heaps of parking public transport all right in there so it's really easy to get to really easy to get around and i can't see it being nothing but a real success for nab i know they've worked really hard um carol's put in a lot of work uh, to get it all going and i can't wait to sort of see how it all runs and can you tell us how many teams will be playing across men's, women's and junior tournaments? Well, you get nearly 128 teams. So there's, it's probably the biggest rugby league carnival in the world. 
So, you know, you've got women's, you've got 17s and, and 15s boys and 13s boys. You've got the girls playing in the 16s and 18s. So there's so many different tournaments up here that lead into this four-day event. And the football sort of just starts on a, on a, on a Friday morning and just keeps going right through it until Monday afternoon. There's just action everywhere. So a uh, huge event, massive numbers, caters for everyone in the family to get up there and have a game. Um, and the old pe- old blokes play in the in the competition as well. You I know. Get, I was going to say, will you will you be throwing on a a jersey this year and playing? Now I can't believe you said that when I said <laughs> old blokes, but um, yeah, uh, look, I I've learnt my lesson. I stay away from footy. I'm really happy in the commentary box there with NITV broadcasting, which you know NITV does a fantastic job getting uh, all the action out there to all the people that can't make it and to all the people that are at home watching. And who are the standout teams to look out for this year? Do you reckon? Oh, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a lot of good teams there. And the draw the other night that they did really sort of even the competition out. You know, La Perouse, uh will always be strong. Newcastle All Blacks are a strong team. They've got really good draws. Both those teams, the Newcastle Yowies, um are in a, in a good draw with Walgett and Sydney All Blacks. The Walgett Aboriginal community, the WAC team, playing Sydney All Blacks in the first game is probably the biggest game in the first round of a knockout for a long time. So those teams will, will, will be sort of right up there contending. You've got the Wiradjuri Aboriginal Rivers team, which is one of the favourites. It's a pretty stacked side. Um, they'll be really good. You've got Griffith. Um, three, three ways, ways good old three yeah, ways. <laughs> good old three ways. Narandra down the Riverina, they're your area. So I know everyone will be behind them teams down there, and they're always passionate teams that, that play their best. But, you know, the Narwhal Neal's my old team. You know, you, you can't beat their passion and their toughness and, and the pride they play with, you know. So I look forward to watching some of the little teams that go there and just battle hard and, and, and push the, the bigger names. So, so plenty of good teams to watch. Um, but if I had to predict the winner, I, I'd, I'd probably say that it, it could go back to NAB La Perouse. Mm. Or, um, or or the Yowies. I, I picked three teams there, so um, I reckon it's out of those three to win it. And how's NAB looking this year? Do you think, I mean, obviously you said you think that they will be up there with the top three. Um, yeah, how do you think they're looking this year? Well, they're missing a few players from previous years. You know, Adrian Davis, who was one of the key playmakers there last year, he's out of the knockout this year. Scott Briggs is playing. Uh, Randall Briggs comes back into the team who wasn't there last year. He coached the team so they're, they're they're always solid they've got a lot of Newcastle boys that um play together all year up there and that have played year in year out so they, their combinations are always good uh they play with plenty of passion they have plenty of hunger for it but they're probably in the back of their heads they'll remember last time they were up here that they went out in the second round they got beaten by Dubbo Gugars in a bit of a shock upset in the second round and sometimes when you're hosting the knockout that's the tough thing, you're so distracted by making sure the event runs smoothly that your team um, can uh, underdo their performance. So that certainly happened to them last year. I reckon they'll be working hard to try and make sure that doesn't happen again. Mm. But it's a danger every time. Like the pressure, and you're the team to beat. I remember when I was with Redfern and looking to go back to back and everyone, the spotlight was on us, just wanting us to lose. And uh, previously when I'd played with Narwin and we won it back to back, it's it's really hard to do you, because every team that goes there wants to see you lose. <laughs> and every game you play, the, the, the pressure's on. The hunger comes out in the opposition. So, um, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to do, go back to back. It hasn't been done for, for a while. But NAB's got that opportunity and we'll, we'll see what they do. But there's plenty of good sides and plenty of big names playing in all the teams. 
And this year marks NITV's 14th year broadcasting The Knockout as the official broadcaster. Can you talk to us a little bit about the broadcast? You're once again commentating for NITV. Um, can you just tell us who, who else will be joining you um, on the broadcast team? Oh, we've got the voice of The Knockout there, Brad Cook. You know, he does an amazing job and he's like the Ray Warren of uh, Aboriginal Rugby League. He's just He's the best, and he's the greatest uh, to work with. He, he does a fantastic job, and he leads the team. You'll have myself, Tamana Tahu, Bo De La Cruz, and Bo Champion from Over the Black Dot. We'll be jumping in there and, and, and you know giving our advice and, and talk through it. Dan Conifer does a lot of the commentary as well. Um, but it's also the team. like the, I know the NITV team behind the scenes works really hard to, to make it a great event and to put all the, the stuff together, the packages together. And it's, it's a real buzz now for me to see where that, Come, I believe when NITV came on board 14 years ago, it really projected the knockout to a next level of professionalism um, and started to show it on telly and, and highlight how good our Aboriginal rugby league was. And I know a lot of the scouts at the NRL clubs, they watch it um, at home and, and look at young players and stuff like that. So you know, I really got to commend NITV for doing a fantastic job there. I love being part of the commentary. It's it's going to be exciting to you know talk about all these good young footballers and put a highlight on who, who the communities are and what, where they come from and what football means to those communities and who are some of the famous names that attach to those communities. So I like to give that sort of information. But it's always a pleasure working with all you guys at NITV because you do an amazing job sort of um, broadcasting the knockout and getting it out there to everyone in the community. Yeah, no, it'll be great to see you there again and commentating for another year. You always do a really great job. But before we wrap up, you said you won't be playing, but will you be making an appearance at the after party? <laughs> I'll definitely be at the after party. I've booked my ticket. I can't believe that all these blackfellas are complaining about the $50 ticket or whatever it is, and they're all the rich ones who drive all the flat <laughs> cars. Uh, so, you know, for me, I'll, I'll, I've already booked my tickets online. I'll be a big... Uh, you would have been, uh, what, the first round of tickets? That yeah, team. I get in early. I get in early. You know what I'm like. I, I book <laughs> my space, make sure I'm there. Got to be at the centre of it. But now that's where all the action is. So the football's good, but the nightlife is uh, just as good and uh, entertaining. And it'll be good to catch up with all the mob and, and see them all everywhere. And uh, I look forward to, you know, one of the best weekends of the year. Uh, this is like... This is like Christmas or New Year's Eve for Blackfellas, you know. Uh, it's one big corroboree, one big ceremony that we have where we come from all over the state and you run into people that you haven't seen for ages. And they're doing the old lap around and, and catching up with all the mob and getting stopped there. I know you're walking with your dad, Stan Grant, there. You get stopped every five metres. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely don't... Avoid that. <laughs> yeah, because it's just it's too much. You're just constantly stopping and then, you know, but it's good that he, he goes and he, he loves to watch three ways because, you know, my my family used to play for them and, and help set the team up. So It's never been to the Riverina. It's crazy, but um, one of them Riverina teams has to win it soon. You know, there's, there's a lot of good teams there from Wagga, Narandra, uh, Griffith. Um, hopefully one of them can come through because that's the only area left now where it has to go to. So. Well, fingers good crossed. Luck. Fingers crossed. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me, Dean. And NITV and SBS will simulcast live on Sunday and Monday. And you can also catch coverage Saturday on NITV, Facebook Live and SBS On Demand. Thanks for joining me and I'll see you up there. Alana, it's a pleasure as always. Visit sbs.com.au slash NITV radio. 
And that's all we have time for on today's program. You can listen back to the show anytime online or catch any of our stories on our website at sbs.com.au. NITV Radio will be back on Friday, 1 till 2 p.m. with more stories from right across the country. Today, we leave you with a track by Baker Boy. I'm your host, Lawana Grant. Mandungo, have a great day. Music is the mid-agent.